I'm going to give the edge to because of the depth of checklist and the price point. Welcome everyone to Digging Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Nate, and today we are going to be talking about 2019 Top Series 2 compared to 2020 Top Series 1. So many of you will know that 2019 Top Series 2 uh, comes with Fernando Tatis and the Flagrero Jr. short print and Eloy Jimenez and Pete Alonso. And it's a very, very, very good product, uh, extremely expensive online. Um, and then you probably know about 2020 Top Series 1, also a very good product, but cheaper than Top Series 2. So we are going to compare these two products. We're going to compare the players inside the two products. And I'm going to try to come up with uh, what I deem as the better deal. So to do that, we're going to be doing a lot of screen sharing today. If you've noticed in my recent videos, I've been doing more screen sharing. Um, that's because then you can look less at my face, which is, a you know, I don't want to have to burden you with looking at my face. And then also um, easier for you to check my work. You can see exactly what I'm looking at as I'm doing it instead of talking about it. So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see that. If you are just listening to podcast form, you won't be able to see that, but we will still cover all the information so that you can get it into your ears. And, uh, you know, you'll still know everything that the YouTube people will know. You just won't be able to see it. So we're going to do a lot of screen sharing today. So let's just get right into it. So we are looking at Tops Series 2 Hobby Boxes. I want to stop 2019 Top Series 2 Hobby Box on eBay. And you're looking at prices. Um, and 285 that's a bit expensive there. But we're looking at 250 auction, uh, 245 auction with shipping, 299 299 Some people will just spend what money they want, you know, just to get their hands on a box mid 250s 260 there so 200 we'll say 250 dollars for the top series 2 2019 now if we go over here to top series one you're looking i put 2020 top series one hobby box in there some uk and series two and stuff came up so i minus them out and you're looking 150 145 150 uh, 145 for the last uh, 145 again for the last five sold. So around $145 box. Um, if you remember, these boxes came out uh, at Brewtown, which is the only uh, you know store in the Milwaukee area that I go to, and so it's my only uh, reference point for prices at Brewtown. When they came out, hobby boxes of Series Two were like 50 bucks, and hobby boxes of series one 2020 were about $75, uh, maybe $70. And so double the price, series one, that's a really good deal. But series two has uh, five times the price so far that it came out at. Um, either one, you would have bought a really good deal. But that being said, let's dive in to the, because uh, you're making money on either is what I'm trying to say. Um, Let's dive into the cards. And so I have for each set, just so we can see the prices on the players. And then we're going to dive into the players more and get some head-to-head -head comparisons if we can. So right here, top, 2019 Top Series 2, put all the names in that I wanted. Pete Alonso, Vlagaro Jr., Eloy Jimenez, and Fernando Tatis Jr. And then PSA 10, because that is the easiest way for me to gauge value here. 
So we're looking at the Vlad Guerrero Jr. short print. That is about $110. The SP uh, non-numbered short print from Vlad Guerrero Jr. That's $110 in a PSA 10. You'll notice that that dropped all the way from about 180 at its height. And it was hovering around maybe 140, 150 during the season. That is down to 110, maybe a buying opportunity. You'll notice Pete Alonzo, uh, PSA 10 rookie. $35. Uh, this one's also, yeah, $37, but $35. We'll say $35 for Pete Alonzo. Um, that is also a cut in half from his height of around $70, $75, uh, Back before the season started, Pete Alonzo hype was really high. And uh, Pete Alonzo, probably kind of a buy right now, as that we'll look, get into his stats later. But he had 53 home runs. The hype was really high. If he didn't match that pace with 53 home runs, and I know we had a 60-game season, but he wasn't on pace for 53, um, you're looking at a guy whose value is just going to go down because if you are head and shoulders that much above the rest of the league, you need to uh, continue that pace for people to keep excitement up on card prices. Once that dropped, prices were going to drop. Now would be a decent time to buy because Pete Alonso is probably going to come back and hit, you know, leave the National League with home runs, hit 40, 45 home runs, and that hype will beat you right back up. Maybe not $70, but you might make $20 a card here. So that's a pretty good deal. Um, definitely a buying opportunity. I don't love Pete Alonso myself, but just knowing how people react to hype and how they react to home runs and stuff, I definitely think Pete Alonso definitely has 40, 45 home runs in him. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see these be $50 cards in the middle of July when he's on pace for it. Fernando Tatis, one card lower. We've got 155, 155, 155. So Fernando Tatis, top series two right now. PSA 10 is a $155 card. We'll round it up to there um, or round it down, depending on what you're looking at. And so uh, that also cut in half from its high. Its high was... I don't know if it hit 300, but it was pretty close, maybe 275, 280 in there. And that's almost cut in half there. Uh, definitely another buying opportunity. Now, the hype was really high for him um, when he had that one amazing, amazing week. He had a pretty rough second half of the season, but a lot of guys had rough second half of the seasons. Uh, you know, you're looking Luis Robert, Kyle Lewis, who we're going to talk about later in this video. Other guys that I just can't come up with off the top of my head. But 155, probably a buying opportunity there. And then, last but not least, Eloy Jimenez, $55 there. $55 there, rounded up a little bit. $45 here, $50 there. So the last couple of cards, we'll say a $50 card uh, meet in the middle for Eloy Jimenez Top Series 2. And those were, the Tops Chrome I know were up to $100. I don't know if the Top Series 2 made it to $100 of PSA 10s, but they're definitely in the $70, $80 range. So actually, he's dropped less than the other guys on a percentage basis, um, Eloy there. And, you know, I can't blame people because Eloy, you're probably going to look up next year and he's going to be leading the American League in home runs or have multiple years in a row where he's hitting 40 home runs and batting 300. Um, he's a really good hitter. Uh, and we'll get into his defensive issues in a little bit. So that those are the four guys from top series two. Now let's look at the tops 2020 top series one guys. And so I did the same thing. 2020 top series one, put the guys in parentheses, minus out the things I did not want to see ran out of room. So I couldn't minus out like this foil, but a hundred dollars for a Gavin Lux PSA 10 foil seems like a pretty good deal. If you can move from the Dodgers, but I digress. 
Uh, Bo Bichette, $65 PSA 10. Jordan Alvarez, a $40 PSA 10, which is a drop, by the way. Um, I think he got up to $60, $70. Bo Bichette was up to $100 at one point. Gavin Lux, $45 PSA 10. He was up to $70. Uh, Randy Rosarina Clear, PSA 9, $700. Whoo! Uh, I can't imagine being the person that got a Randy Rosarina clear and was sitting at it in like ugh, Randy Rosarina and then watches that the postseason happen and realize you're sitting on a gold mine. That'd be amazing. But if we go a little farther, Kyle Lewis, $55 for a PSA 10, uh, $63 for a PSA 10 there. This Bobachette actually way lower at $55. Did I cover them all? Gavin Lux, Randy Rosarina. Oh, Randy Rosarina. We haven't had a Randy Rosarina PSA 10. And it doesn't look like there is going to be one anytime soon. It's tough to tell if there's actually been uh, any PSA 10s graded. I'm sure there have. I imagine it's going to be a $50 card. We're going to take a guess and say a Randy Rosarina PSA 10 is $50 for this exercise. I should have looked it up a little bit better and actually gotten a price. I wasn't actually paying attention. I just looked up the search and then said, all right, move on. So that's on me. Um, now, one thing about Randy Rosarina's market is that he just had a Tops update in a Rays jersey. And uh, somebody pointed out to me that I was probably looking at it wrong and that this is the rookie and not and not his Rays one. When, in fact, like uh, somebody like Austin Meadows uh, has a Rays jersey and a Pirates jersey and the Rays one sells for more. So we'll see what happens with that market. Maybe this card won't be very valuable and it takes the uh, shine of Series 1 off just a little bit. For right now, we're going to save $50 for this exercise and we're going to move on. So now we're going to go through comps for these guys. And so I'm going to have one guy Fangraphs page from Tops Series 2. And then we're going to have one page from Top Series 1 2020. And so we're going to compare. So I'm going to be comparing Fernando Tatis to Bo Bichette. I'm going to be comparing uh, Eloy Jimenez to Jordan Alvarez because shortstop and shortstop, Fernando Tatis, Bo Bichette, DH and DH for uh, Jordan and Eloy. And I know Eloy plays the outfield, but if you watched him play the outfield this year, you know that he does not belong in the outfield. At one point, Christian Yelich got an inside the park home run because Eloy ran extremely slow to the corner, missed the ball, fell into the net, took like 10 seconds to get out of the net, took another five seconds to get to the ball, and then throws it in. And uh, in that time, Christian Yelich got a inside the park home run in what should have been an out if you had any amount of competent outfielder out there. I love Eloy's bat, but his defense is atrocious, so he should be a DH. And then we have um, a little bit of guys that are kind of disappointments last year in Flagrero Jr. and Gavin Lux. And I chose them mostly because uh, they were both given 70 hit, 70 power tools by Fangraph. So I compared that because I ran out of position uh, comparables. And then lastly, we have Pete Alonzo and then uh, Kyle Lewis and Randy Rosarina. And there's really no comparisons I can do amongst those three guys. So they're just going to be off at the end. And we're going to see who wins. Obviously, Series 1 already has a head start because they have a fifth guy uh, that is a decent, decent player here. So let's get into it. And we are looking at right here, we've got Fernando Tatis. He is going to be 22 years old next year. Remember that ages are important 
22 years old, and this last year he hit 277 with a 366 on base and a 571 slugging, which was good for a 149 WRC plus, which was only a little bit off of last year's at 150. Um, incredible season for him. Obviously, he is yet to still play a full season in the major leagues. Um. Oh wait, is that? Yep, that true. So we're at we're at what 143 games there in his career out of a hunt out of two seasons. So he hasn't hit 162 games yet, but he's been amazing through the stretch of two seasons. He raised his on-base percentage this year. He lowered his strikeout percentage. He raised his power. Um, last year, his stat line was really BABIP driven. You can see that at 410. Uh, that's absurdly high and impossible to keep up. This year, 306 BABIP. That is a perfectly reasonable batting average on balls in play. I expect this to continue going forward. And he hit the ball extremely hard, almost 96 mile per hour exit velocity. He was worth three wins above replacements in roughly a third of the year. So a little bit more than a third, I guess. But you're probably expecting him to be an eight-win player and a perennial MVP candidate at this point. And you can see that in his prices of $150. Um, so there's not much I can say about Fernando Tatis that you don't already know. Kid is a stud. Now let's move on to Bo Bichette here, and we've got 22 years, 8 months, 14 days. So he is about 9 months older than Fernando Tatis already is. Um, a really good player, though. Hit 301, 328, 512, good for a 125 WRC+. plus. He was about 25% worse um, of a hitter than, and not 25%, that's, that's the wrong way to look at it, but uh, he was 125% better than league or 25% better than league average, and Fernando Tatis was 50% better than league average. So he was worse um, by far. Now, that being said, let's look a little bit at his numbers. A 301 average is nice, but a 328 batting or on base percentage is low. You want to see that higher. If he doesn't keep his averages up, and he has his entire career, I pull up his minor league numbers so you can look at it. High average, high average, uh, 384, 323, uh, 286. 275 and 56 games in AAA. So I expect those averages to stay up. But if he's a 275 average and he has only a 27% point uh, differential between his average and his on base, all of a sudden he's a, a high average, low on base guy. And that's a little bit alarming for me. Um, so you're going to want to see a higher than a 3.9% walk rate. That being said, a 21.1% strikeout rate is a drop from last year. So that's nice to see. His isolated power dropped a little bit, but 211 is still good. Um, 352 betting average balls in play is probably a little bit high. But I really like Bo Bichette. I think he's probably going to be, be the face of this franchise here in Toronto. Here in Toronto. I'm not in Toronto, but in Toronto. And so uh, Bo Bichette has power for days. Good contact. Would like to see the eye improve. If the eye does improve and his defense is good, um, not great, but good, uh, you're looking at a guy who is a perennial all-star. Maybe not an MVP-level uh, guy like Fernando Tatis, but clearly very good. The difference between him and Fernando Tatis isn't a huge chasm. It's it's a decent size, but it's not a huge chasm that's un. Uh, breachable. I think maybe at his best, Bobachette is probably like a 6-7 win player, whereas Fernando Tatis is probably a 10 win player. Um, 
So you're looking at the difference in prices there. And remember, we talked about Bo Bichette being between $60 and $70 a PSA 10 and Fernando Tatis being $150. So Fernando Tatis definitely has the edge there. But uh, Bo Bichette being half the price, pretty good deal. Uh, two Bo Bichettes for one Fernando Tatis. I like the odds of Bo Bichette going up higher. Price is going uh, better, higher, better percentage than Fernando Tatis. I really butchered that, but I hope you understand what I was trying to say. Now, let's move on to my second comparison, and that is Eloy Jimenez and Jordan Alvarez. Again, because they are both uh, kind of shortstop, or shortstop, DH type of guys. Uh, even though Eloy plays the outfield, he shouldn't be. So let's look at Eloy here, and we've got right away... Pops off the page, raw power, 80 grade raw power when he gets older. That's the projection. Well, this year he was amazing. 296 on uh, average, 332 on base, and a 559 slugging, which was good for a 141 WRC+. plus. Um, he was worth 1.7 wins above replacement, and that was even with his bad defense. 14 home runs in 55 games. Um, that is... Three games over a 162-game pace, that's essentially a third of the season. We're going to say it's a third of the season. If you take 14 times three, you know, you are at, what, 42 home runs on the year. Um, and so we are looking at a 40-home run pace for Eloy Jimenez, and that doesn't shock me. I'm expecting him to hit 40 home runs a season. I'm expecting you guys and me to look up at the end of next year or maybe the year after that, and Eloy Jimenez leads the league in home runs or at least the American League. If that happens, Eloy Jimenez top series two PSA 10s for $50 are going to be in that $70, $80, $90 range. I would not be shocked. Uh, he looks like a type of guy going to have high averages, hit maybe in the 280 to 300 range, have 40 home runs, have a decent on base, uh, maybe not great, but a decent on base. If he hits 300, maybe a 350 on base. Um, if he hits lower than that, you know, drop it 50% or so. Uh, more points than his average. And so Eloy, uh, I really love Eloy. I love the bat. Um, I don't love the defense, obviously, but I love the bat. And in today's day and age, I don't think people are too concerned about DH. You know, J.D. Martinez, not a great deal, uh, despite being one of the best hitters in baseball. But I think it's just because of his age and how long ago his cards came out compared to uh, – you know, new guys and people coming into the hobby, and they're just going to be excited about Eloy Jimenez and Vlad Guerrero Juniors and Pete Alonso's no matter where they play. So, obviously, you know, you're not – if you're still a shortstop, a second baseman, something like that, you're getting that bump. But uh, it's a less of a bump than, you know, in previous years. So, Eloy, stud, 40 home run guy, definite, definite uh, – buy there at $50 for me anyways. Maybe I let it go a little bit lower, but a definite buy. Now let's look at Jordan Alvarez and I'll try to hurry up so this video isn't a thousand years long. And we're looking at we have to really look at this year because he only played in two games, hit a home run, but only played in two games last year and then was injured again. So 2019 Astros 27 home runs his rookie year 313, 412, 655 uh, slugging with a 178 WRC plus, and that was good for uh, almost four wins of property placement in almost half a season, 87 games. And so, 
if we're looking at Jordan, you know, it's tough to just judge a guy off of one year, one half of a year. That being said, he looked like the real deal. He looked like the real deal in AAA. Before that, uh, he really broke out. Now, this was a year with a juiced baseball in which he hit 50 home runs between AAA and AA. I mean, AAA and the major leagues. So take this with a grain of salt, juice baseball and all. But I really like Jordan Alvarez's bat. I don't see a reason why he's going to be going anywhere. His BABIP was a little high, um, and his isolated power was ridiculous. But that being said, almost a 14% walk rate, 25% strikeout rate. 25 is a little high, but the walk rate's really nice. The power is obviously there. Um, I think the baby probably drops a little bit, and you're looking at a lower on base and a lower uh, average and a lower slugging. But, you know, you drop that on base to 375, you drop that average to 275, and you drop that slugging to 550. That's still a 925 OPS with a guy that's probably hitting 35 home runs. Uh, he's a really nice player. I, and I kind of expect him to be in the same category as Eloy Jimenez. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they duke it out for the home run lead for years to come. So if I'm giving the lean to uh, Fernando Tatis uh, in like the skill position, even though his prices are $150 to Bo $70, I'm still giving the benefit to Fernando Tatis. If you're opening the box, you're hoping for Fernando Tatis. For Eloy Jimenez and uh, Jordan Alvarez, I think it's pretty much even. If you're opening these boxes, top series one from 2019 or from 2020 or 2019, top series two, you can hope for either, and you're doing pretty good. I expect them both to be, if they play like they can, you know, $70 PSA 10 somewhere in there. On one hand, the uh, top series two is winning because they got Fernando Tatis. And top series one is one step under. We've got one tie and one win right now. So let's move on to the next players. And we've got Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Gavin Lux. Now you'll notice Vlad Guerrero Jr., 21, going to be 22 next season. Gavin Lux going to be 23. So while Gavin Lux has been around significantly shorter than Vlad Guerrero Jr., he is a year older. So that is big when comparing these guys. Um, and for comparison's sake, Eloy, 24 next year, Jordan, uh, 23 at the start of next season. So Jordan has the little edge there, but not enough, not enough. They're basically the same age. All right, so Gavin Lux is a year older than Vlad Guerrero Jr. Remember that. Vlad, obviously, number one pick in baseball a couple years ago. Uh, when we're looking at his top series, two PSA 10, remember, it's short printed. It's non-numbered, so it's higher than the rest of 110, but it's way down from its peak of 180. Um, people are really disappointed with Flag Guerrero Jr. When you're the number one prospect in baseball, you're expecting big things, big, big things, especially somebody as hyped as Flag Guerrero Jr. That being said, his numbers have been nothing to sneeze at. As a 20-year-old, in the majors for the first time, he had a 105 WRC plus. You see it right here if you're watching on YouTube. That's 5% better than league average. You cannot sneeze at that for a 20-year-old. As a 21-year-old, he upped that to a 115 WRC plus. His numbers on the year, 262, 329, 462 on uh, slugging, which was good for a 115 WRC plus. There is nothing wrong with that. 
8% walk rate to a 15.6% strikeout rate. Those are really good numbers, really, really good numbers. Um, on the year, you're probably looking at a 25 home run pace there, 60 games, nine home runs in those 60 games. Um, you're expecting a little bit more from him, but a 115 WRC plus, he's trending in the right direction. His isolated power is a little bit low, but his BABIP was low, 282. If he raises that a little bit, you know, you're probably looking at last year's numbers, but with increased power. And so if we go down here now, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is the only guy I'm going to go down the page on. You'll notice something here. And that is, A, he's spreading the ball around a little bit more, he, he, pulling it a little bit more, 41.5% to 41.3% last year. That's minuscule, basically not even there. But then he a 35% to center and 23.5% to oppo, which is a little bit better than last year, 21.9% uh, to opposite field. So he's spreading the ball around a little bit better. That's nice to see. What else is nice to see is that while his medium contact went up by 2.2% uh, between the two years, 47% last year to 44.8% the year before that, his soft contact dropped by 6% and his hard contact went up by 4%. So that is really nice to see that the hard contact went up, the medium contact went up, and the uh, soft contact went down. Obviously, we'd like to see the medium or the hard contact go up even more and the medium contact maybe stay the same, but I can't complain. Here is the issue with Flag Guerrero Jr. And you'll see it right over here. It's this 54.6% ground ball rate and this 1.9% six ground ball to fly ball rate. So he's almost hitting two ground balls per one fly ball, which is not something that you want to see. Uh, a guy with Flag Guerrero Jr.'s contact and power um, and relative lack of speed, I don't want him hitting the ball on the ground. I want him hitting the ball in the air. I want him using his power, and I want to see him hitting home runs. So I'm kind of torn on Vlad because I love him. He's trending in the right direction. And yet, if he doesn't stop hitting the ball on the ground, he's never going to untap his full potential. Um, you watch Christian Yelich stop hitting the ball on the ground, and all of a sudden, boom, potential, amazing. Eric Hosmer at the beginning of last year stopped hitting the ball on the ground, boom, a potential amazing. He then reverted back to hitting the ball on the ground, which was unfortunate. But uh, for about a month there, Eric Cosmer was a really good player. Vlad Guerrero Jr. needs to do the same thing if he wants to really break out. But if he does, if he does, you are looking at an absurd, absurd player. Um, this guy is going to be absolutely incredible if, if he stops hitting the ball on the ground. I mean, a 8% to 15%, 8% walk rate, 15% strikeout rate is incredible. Uh, he's got a ton of power. He's got really good contact. Now he just has to stop hitting the ball on the ground. His other numbers are trending in the right direction. His hard contact rate, everything like that. It's all trending in the right direction. Now I just need him to stop hitting the ball on the ground. I know I've said that multiple times, but I want to make sure you understand that he could be an amazing buy if he just changes some things. Reports are he's lost a lot of weight this offseason, so maybe that helps. Uh, maybe he's really, maybe he got by on just, you know, skill before and now he's going to have to train really hard but i believe in vlad guerrero jr i hope you do too i would not sell him hold him maybe don't buy him until you know that he's going to start hitting the ball in the air but at least hold him and give him a chance he's still young he's not even 22 yet on the other end of the spectrum we have 
Gavin Lux. Also a disappointment, but for a different reason than uh, Blair Arrow Jr. Now, Gavin Lux was all the way up to number two in the MLB pipeline prospect list uh, this past year. He's a really good player. He's from Wisconsin. Shout out, Wisconsin. Shout out, Brewers. But he hasn't been getting play. He was not very good in his cup of tea in 2019. You can see that here. 243.05 with the four on base, which was good for an 87 WRC+. Plus. Uh, not great. 13% worse than league average there. You want better from him. Coming into this year, I expected him to just have the second base job uh, with the Dodgers. That did not happen. He got in at the end of the year, played 19 games, and was somehow even worse. A 175 average, 246 on base, and a 349 slugging added up to a 63 WRC+, plus, which is 37% worse than league average. Not good. Not good. Uh, that being said, you know, they didn't really believe in him. They didn't believe in him. And so if he can get traded from the Dodgers and actually get full playing time somewhere else, you know, maybe I bring it up a lot, but the Brewers trade Josh Hader and Gavin Lux is one of the guys that comes back and gets full time playing at uh, third base. We'll see what he does. That being said, I don't think I'd buy Gavin Lux right now. That's a big risk. That's a big risk expecting the Dodgers to trade him or to play him. And he's been pretty bad in the majors. Uh, so I don't know. I'm torn on Gavin Lux. I want to love him. I want to love him, but I just don't love the situation he's in. So for that reason, I give the edge to Vlad Guerrero Jr., who is trending in the right direction. I know we're talking about a short print. You also have his tops update PSA 10s you can buy. But Vlad Guerrero Jr. short print for 110 compared to Gavin Lux for 40. Uh, PSA 10. I know you can get two and a half Gavin Luxes for the price of one Vlagero Jr., but I just believe in Vlagero Jr. a little bit more in his situation, and the fact that that card is short printed makes it a little bit more valuable than a base PSA 10. So Vlagero Jr. has the edge here. And then the last three guys, no real comparisons here, so we're just going to shoot through them. Pete Alonzo, I said it before, probably a buy. He was on pace, shortened season for about 45 home runs somewhere in there 10% walk rate wasn't any lower 25% strikeout rate was lower which was really nice isolated power was lower he had 231 326 490 with a 119 wrc plus his 242 bay bip was really low uh he raises that to 280 you have the same season he had last year right so there's really nothing nothing about him that is any different uh, between the years, except that, you know, you're looking at his wins of placement. His defense was really bad and his offense wasn't great because his, his power was down in other areas. Six doubles on the year. You're looking at an 18 double pace, maybe a little less than that when he had 30 doubles the year before. No triples. He obviously had two the year before. So home runs down, triples down, doubles down. You want him to get back that power back. But home runs sell. So if he was going to hit 45 home runs, that sells. I don't think people would care that much about doubles and triples. So I think he's probably a buy, a really a BABIP driven, uh, a luck driven stat line here. If he raises that 242, absurdly low. So if he raises that, expect a better season from him going forward. And a $35 PSA 10 is a definite buy in my mind. And I don't even like Pete Alonso that much. Not because he's a bad guy. He's a very nice guy from all accounts, but because I just don't love first baseman and power hitting first baseman that don't 
you know, don't do much else. A low average, high end base, high power type of guy. That's fine, but that's not somebody I want to invest my money in. That being said, $35, pretty good deal. Now we'll go on a little quicker. Kyle Lewis, uh, he was $55, if you remember correctly, for PSA 10s. And we are looking at him. And he also has not played a full season. To, in his career, he has played 80, 76 games so far, which is not even half a season of baseball. And yet he's been good. 127 WRC plus and a cup of tea. 126 WRC plus last year. He was really rough in the second half of our 60 game season, but overall his stat line was good. 262, 364, 437, 126 WRC plus while being a decent defender, even though his defensive uh, metric over here doesn't state that negative one. He's a decent defender in the outfield, 14% walk rate, but it's almost a 30% strikeout rate, but he dropped that drastically from the previous year of 38.7% there. So, uh, much higher walk rate, much lower strikeout rate. If he can keep those trending in the right direction, uh, I really like Kyle Lewis going forward. Obviously, 30% strikeout rate is scary, but when you take the full package, and I'm I'm always remiss to invest in guys that strike out a ton, but if he continues walking at that rate and he continues hitting home runs, he was on like a 30 home run pace this past season, and if he steals double-digit bags and plays decent defense, I know he's on the Mariners, but I really like Kyle Lewis. Um, it all comes down to if he keeps the other things up. I The strikeout rate is always going to stay up for him. Uh, that much I can pretty much guarantee. But if he keeps the other things up, he's a very valuable player, very exciting player. If you're looking at him, 30 home runs, 15 stolen bases, and a, and a you know 100 point higher on base percentage than uh, average. You know, if he's a 250, 350, uh, 500 hitter, people will like that. 550 hitter, if he gets to 900 OPS, people will like that. So I really, really like Kyle Lewis. I think he's a buy um, at $50 just because of how exciting he is. I know he's on the Mariners, but he's a buy. Pete Alonzo's a buy for me right now. And then lastly, Randy Arena. We pull up his playoff stats here so you can see those too but here is the line that is his regular season stats only 23 games 281 382 on base 641 slugging for a 176 wrc plus and almost a win above replacement in his 23 games that's a really good pace uh that's about an eighth of a season and uh you are looking at you know a six win guy seven win guy so uh, Randy Rosarina had a really good year, uh, high strikeout rate, 28.9%, um, but a pretty good walk rate at 8%. When he got to the playoffs, you can see that here in this gold bar down here, and we are looking at a 293 or 9.3 9 walk percent, 22.1 strikeout percent. So he raised his walk percent and lowered his stri strikeout percentage in the highest uh, intensity, intensity games of his career. In the playoffs, you know, they made it all the way to the World Series. It was very impressive to watch. He hit 377 with a 442 on base and an 831 slugging. And you'll notice that he had 10 home runs in the playoffs compared to seven in the regular season, which 43 games on the year and 17 home runs is really good. You all have heard the story how he, he was in quarantine and just did 500 push-ups a day and ate chicken and rice and put on a ton of weight, gained that strength, was always 
you know, five ten, had a good con had good contact, uh, but you know, just didn't have the power. Well, he got the power. He's really fast. Um, the type of guy that if he keeps that power on, if he keeps that weight on, and he keeps that speed up, twenty twenty at least twenty home runs, twenty stolen bases at least. Maybe a 30-30 guy. And if we're really dreaming, maybe even 40 home runs sometime in the future. But that's a little bit. That's probably a little bit far-fetched. I know he hit 17 in 40 games, but I don't expect him to keep up that pace. That's absurd. Uh, we went with $50 for him for a PSA 10. Now, he's in a weird situation because we talked about it. He's got his raised tops update rookie. I don't know how that's going to affect his market quite yet. That being said, for right now, I'd still be buying the top series one rookie. That's still going to be a card that sells, I think, in the future. Maybe not for a ton. And if it's at $50 right now, we'll see. But if you're buying the box to get the cards to grade, then he's definitely a grade. So he's definitely a good deal in my mind. So when we're looking at these guys, Fernando Tatis, better player than Bo Bichette, but not a huge. Eloy and Jordan Alvarez, about the same. Vlad Guerrero Jr., I'm taking the edge over uh, Gavin Lux. And then, you know, Kyle Lewis and R Randy Rosarunia, I'm definitely giving the edge if we're taking both of them over Pete Alonzo. Um, but Pete Alonzo is still a decent buy right now. So you've got four good guys in Top Series 2 compared to five good guys in Top Series 1. Now, where it comes down to is right now I would give Top Series 2 the edge over top series one. Let's look at the checklist and just see what we can see. So here we are. This is top series one. And right away, we've got Trent Grisham, who still is in the same category as Randy Rosarina in that he has a Padres tops update rookie, but he's a nice player. And then you've got Arcidas Quino, who came up last year, 2019, lit the world on fire, did not do nearly as well, but upside there, right? Upside there. And then you have guys like Austin Nola upside. Bobby Bradley has some upside. If we keep rolling along here, Brendan McKay has upside. Nico Horner has upside. Bubba Starling has upside. And there's just an absurd amount. If you're looking at pitchers, we've got Dustin May and Jesus Lazardo. And so there is an absurd amount of good guys out of this top Series 2 prospect product. Isan Diaz. Uh, for the Marlins, who's a former Brewers top 100 prospect that got traded in the Christian Yelich deal, that still has upside. So there's a lot of guys that have big upside still that could still, one or two could still break out in top series one. Compared to top series two from 2019, in which you have, for the most part, you've got guys like Kevin Newman, Reese McGuire, who's known for other things. Other bad things than playing baseball. Kevin Newman right here, 471. And the other guy on the list was also a pirate. Oh, Taylor Ward, pretty good. Taylor Ward there, pretty good. But not like mind-blowingly good. And so uh, I can't actually find the other pirate. Oh, Kevin Kramer. So a couple guys that are interesting names at the least, along with Taylor Ward. But they're not like and all be-alls. So the edge to the rest of the checklist definitely goes to 2020 Top Series 1. A lot more uh, potential stars in this checklist compared to 2019 Top Series 2. 
So if we're comparing them, let's get one last look at the prices before we go back. We exit out of the screen sharing. We've got 230, 240, 250. So about a $250 box, unless you really want one and don't want to wait for an auction, then you're going to overpay a little bit. And then we have the top series one, which is about a $145 box. So $150 less than top series two. So let's recap. Fernando Tatis is the big guy in both these sets. He's the big money. He's the guy that looks like he's going to be a perennial MVP. And he gets the edge, especially on Bo Bichette, the other shortstop in the set from the other set. But he gets the edge over everyone. And that lifts uh, top series two up, in my mind, significantly. But then after that, we've got pretty even guys, right? So series two is still going up because Eloy and Jordan, similar. Uh, Pete Alonzo and, you know, Kyle Lewis and Randy Rosarina, similar. Um, Gavin Lux and Black Rowe Jr. Vlad, I give the edge. But Gavin Lux, if he gets out of that situation with the Dodgers, I still like him. Uh, series one has the extra guys. That goes up a little bit. And then also they have the better checklist with the extra players, the Jesus Lazardos, the AJ Pucks, the Dustin Mays, the Isan Diaz's of the world, all those guys. I know pitching uh, cards don't mean a ton, but there's still some value if one of those guys breaks out into being one of the best pitchers in baseball. You're still going to be happy you have those cards. Uh, Brendan McKay, you know, guys like that. Right now with the extra checklist, I still think I give a slight edge two series two because of Fernando Tatis carrying the whole thing, but there is a lot more wiggle room for you to get good players in series one, uh, especially because the Vlagero Jr. short print is much harder to get than any of these guys. So you really have like three and a half cards here to five cards here that are worth money uh, when graded. We have to look at price right now. They're probably pretty even maybe still a little edge to series two solely because of Fernando Tatis and the absurd uh, prices he could get to. But then you look at price and you're looking at $250 to $150 or $145. And that's series two to series one, respectively. And that is where I say to myself, all right, all right, maybe I'm going series one. I know I'm not going to get a Fernando Tatis. And I know I'm not going to get Eloy or Pete Alonso, who look like they'll probably lead the league in home runs. But for my money, the easiest way to get my money back is by going with series one and hoping you hit all five of those guys or four of those guys. And if you hit two PSA tens and you hold on to them for a little bit, you know, Bobachek goes back up to $100. You have Kyle Lewis and you get two PSA tens on those two cards. You've made your money back. If you go and you get a tops hobby box and you don't hit a flag or junior short print, and maybe you don't hit a Fernando Tatis because I did not hit a Fernando Tatis in every top series two box I bought. Uh, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. And so I'm going to give the edge to top series one because of the depth of checklist and the uh, price point. If it had, it doesn't have the Fernando Tatis upside, but it has just more depth and a better chance of getting your money back. So for me, I know Top Series 2 is the cream of the crop, but for me, I would be buying for $50 extra or $40 extra, I would be buying two 
top series one boxes instead of a 2019 top series two box. So thank you all for listening to this Dinging Corners today, a little bit longer than normal, but I thought it was an interesting topic and I hope you all enjoyed it. And I hope you also realize that there are some good deals out there. You know, Pete Alonso, probably a buy right now. Flagero Jr., probably a buy right now. He's trying in the right direction. Bobachette, buy right now. Guys like that. Fernando Tatis. So hopefully you learned a little bit something today. And if you're looking into getting boxes, definitely think about 2020 Top Series 1 instead of 2019 Top Series 2. Thank you everyone for listening to Dinging Corners today. And I will talk to you again next time.